Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. What should we expect on our commercial pilot checkride? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast, brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. Complete commercial pilot online ground school course, and we do live mock check rides, just like this one. The questions I'm going to ask you at the end of every month with our online ground school members, and would love to have you on some of those webinars, groundschoolacademy.com to check it out and become a member today. You know, I want to make something very clear before I explain how we get into this. Please don't let anybody tell you that your commercial pilot checkride is a glorified private pilot checkride. If someone tells you that, they're not telling you the truth. It is a very difficult checkride. It is a very challenging checkride, and it's going to take some serious effort on that part, okay? So as you're gonna hear some of these questions, you're gonna go, yeah, Jason's kind of right. These are some, a little bit more difficult than I originally anticipated here. So we're gonna work through these and how we're gonna do this. And by the way, I have in the works, it's actually to the typesetter and graphic designer right now, we finished writing the com- Pass Your Commercial Pilot Checkride. You've seen Pass Your Private Pilot Checkride, Pass Your Instrument Pilot Checkride books on, on Audible, on, on iTunes, on iBooks, uh, everywhere else you can buy, buy it, uh, Amazon. Um, the Commercial Pilot Checkride book is very, very close to uh, very, very close to being done with that. So you can go ahead and uh, be watching for that. So the graphic designers so be watching for that in a, in a month or so, if you're, depending how far you are from a checkride. How this is going to work is I'm going to ask actual FAA checkride questions, and then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pause for a little bit and kind of let you work your way on through them is what I'm going to do. So I'm going to ask the question, let you think about the best answer in your head, and then we're going to explain why this is the case. You're going to notice a lot of aeromedical questions. You're going to notice a lot of very technical. We're getting some airspeed, some load factors, some, and then some weather and aeromedical factors as well to work our way through some of those. So let's go ahead and let's dive into it here with question number one. Question number one, do we use our rods or our cones to see at night? Do we use our rods or our cones to see at night? When flying at night, rods or cones? Okay, I told you we're getting into some aeromedical related questions here. The correct answer, We use our rods to see at night. Of course, world-famous Uncle Larry would do a much uh, better explanation of the anatomy of our eye than I would, but the rods are located on the periphery of our eye. We use our rods to see in low light conditions. You see, this is why we're taught to scan for traffic at night by staring at a space and allowing the periphery of our eye, our peripheral vision, to detect any motion to help us see at night. We use the rods of our eyes to see 
at night. Question number two. What is calibrated airspeed? What is calibrated airspeed? Lots of airspeeds. On the Instrument pod Podcast, we're just talking about absolute altitude and true altitude and indicated altitude. Well, it's very similar in the uh, airspeed arena with calibrated and indicated and true, right? We have different types of airspeed as well. What is calibrated airspeed? The actual FAA definition of calibrated airspeed is indicated airspeed corrected for installation and instrument error. Indicated airspeed corrected for installation and instrument error is calibrated airspeed. Third question here. What is load factor? What is load factor? How would you, I mean, okay, can you give me the FAA definition of load factor? And can you tell me perhaps in plain English, what is load factor? How does it affect us in our flights? I'm telling you, these are some difficult questions to, to find ourselves working through, isn't it? What is load factor? Load factor is the load the wings are supporting divided by the total weight of the airplane. The load the wings are supporting divided by the total weight of the airplane. So what factors affect load factor? Have you ever been in a steep turn, right? We're increasing load factor. Have you ever been in a steep turn and pulled the yoke back a little bit? And you can literally feel the G-forces now, right? I just did a video yesterday, two days ago, on accelerated stalls. You feel the load factor increase in an accelerated stall, which, by the way, is a commercial pilot maneuver, which is why this topic of load factor is going to come up. Load factor is the load the wings are supporting divided by the total weight of the airplane. This next one's a tough one, but th this next one could even fall as a private pilot question. So I want you to be careful with this one because private pilots, this could be on your check ride as well, but this is guaranteed to be on your commercial pilot check ride. Private pilots, you've got a 50-50 chance this one could be on your private pilot check ride. Name the four main types of fog. Name the four main types of fog. I'm going to give you a second to really think about this one here. Name the four main types of fog. I said name them, not explain them. We'll explain them but we'll, we'll name them here first. The first, advection fog, radiation fog, upslope fog, and steam fog. Let's get the two big ones and some of the most common, advection and radiation, probably the most common, radiation. Radiation fog prefers absolutely no wind. Radiation fog is typically the kind of fog, at least here in Florida, in, in the center of the state, 
we wake up and the heat has radiated out of the ground. And there's that temperature inversion causing the temperature and dew point to converge. And thus we get radiation fog. The heat radiates out of the ground. Advection fog, contrary and opposite to radiation fog, advection fog requires a little bit of wind, not a lot. You see, radiation fog wants no wind. In fact, the fastest way to get radiation fog to burn off is to give it a little bit of wind and it'll be gone. The sun needs to come up or the wind needs to start or a little bit of both. And that's how we get rid of radiation fog. You'll never get radiation fog on a windy night. It has to be a very calm night. Advection fog, on the other hand, requires wind. Not a lot, though. Less than 10 knots. It needs a little bit of wind. The best example of this is you've seen the pictures where the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco is like barely peeking out of this fog, yet all of, all of San Francisco, there's no fog there. There's just fog over the bay. It requires moving an air mass of certain temperature over water or water over land. And the cooling happens because the wind is moving that, that, different, that air mass of different temperature over a body of water, over land that is of a different temperature that causes the cooling, which then causes the temperature and dew point to meet, and we get advection fog. Upslope fog, very easy to remember. We take uh, let's say we take some warm, moist air and it gets blown, requires some wind. It gets blown up, 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 up the side of a mountain, up the side of a hill. It then cools to where the temperature and dew point are and that moisture becomes visible. Uh, visible. And steam fog is very simple. Steam fog, picture the Walmart parking lot in Florida has been getting just baked by the sun all day. The, the mall parking lot, whatever it is, getting baked by the sun all day. All of a sudden, it rains very quickly. The rain is cool. Thus, it steams up and out. We get steam fog. Four types of fog. Advection, or four main types of fog. There's many subtypes of this. There's ice fog. There's many other types. But main types, four. Advection, radiation, upslope, steam. Fifth and final question. It's sticking with this theme of fours. What are the four types of hypoxia? What are the four types of hypoxia? Four types, and then I'll explain them here for you. But you will be needing to explain them on your commercial pilot checkride. What are the four types of hypoxia? I'll give you just another second to think of all four. The four types of hypoxia are hypoxic hypoxia, hypemic hypoxia, histotoxic hypoxia, and stagnant hypoxia. And here's how it works. Hypoxic hypoxia is what we talk about the most. It is, what is hypoxia? It's a deficiency, a lack of oxygen to the major organs. Hypoxic hypoxia is my body is working fine. However, there is simply just a lack of oxygen, usually in our case because of altitude. My heart is pumping fine. My blood is able to accept the oxygen. Everything about me, the pilot, is normal. 
but the oxygen is just not available because of altitude. Hypoxic hypoxia. Then we have hypemic. And how you remember hypemic is anemic, right? Hypemic, anemic. Think about anemia. So if I had to say hypemic hypoxia, and it's similar or somewhat in the same category as being anemic, what might that mean to you? Perhaps the oxygen is there. However, it's a problem with me, the pilot. I don't have the ability to transport that oxygen. Anemia, right? Hypemic hypoxia. The oxygen is there, but I don't have the ability. My red blood cells don't have the ability to transport it to where it needs to go. Histotoxic hypoxia. The oxygen, again, let's say it's there. However, something else has attached itself to my red blood cells. Maybe that something is alcohol, to use that as an example. Obviously, we know eight hours bottle of throttle, everything else. I'm just using this as an example. Toxic. Remember, histotoxic, something toxic, like alcohol, let's say, has attached itself to the red blood cells. The oxygen is there. The red blood cells are there. They're moving. However, something else is attached to my red blood cells and there's not enough room for the oxygen to attach. I'm really making this, if you're, a, if you're a doctor out there, you're saying, Jason, it's a little more technical than that. And yes, you're right. But at the aeromedical level that we need to know and understand for a commercial pilot check ride, absolutely. That's a great answer to get us through. And then lastly, stagnant hypoxia. Think of st a stagnant pond. Nothing is moving. So stagnant hypoxia, the oxygen could be there. We, the, the red blood cells could accept that oxygen. However, maybe perhaps because of a, a weak pump, maybe our heart, we're not able to pump that oxygen as efficiently through our body. We become stagnant or that blood pools in our legs. This is, this is why fighter pilots, the Blue Angels, uh, Thunderbirds, wear G-suits. What is a G-suit? It literally, it's this, it's tights for your, for your legs, literally. So the blood doesn't pool and flow to the legs when they're pulling these high G maneuvers, so they keep it in the upper half, in the, in the torso, upper half of the torso, to avoid stagnant hypoxia and blacking out, among other things, right? Commercial pilot checkride. As you've heard from these five questions, I hope now you understand my statement when I say it is not a glorified private pilot checkride. Please, please, please. Don't let anybody tell you that it is. It is its own unique challenge, and a challenge it is. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast and the others, the private, the instrument, the CFI podcast. Thank you so much for your kind reviews and kind words of encouragement at Sun and Fun and Oshkosh on the YouTube and Facebook channels. Follow us on Instagram. We absolutely love it. Uh, if there's anything we can do to help make you that safer, smarter pilot, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. Enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember, a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you.